Hi, and welcome to the Bible Belt Bros, hosted by Luke and Daniel, where we call to the church to stand up and step out in obedience to God. Thank you for tuning in today. We're excited to have you here. I hope this finds you blessed in the Lord, and without further ado, here is this week's episode of the Bible Belt Bros. What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of the Bible Belt Bros. Yes, sir! It's, it's good to be back. It, this just brings me so much joy each and every week, right, Daniel? Oh, yeah. Same thing. It's one, of joy. The, one of the best times of our week. Um, it's the highlight of our week. But we got a new episode, obviously. That's why we're recording. So, Daniel, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about churchy words. Words that we Our talk churchy. about. All- <laughs> yeah, <Our churchy>. they're <laughs> very churchy. And that we we talk about all the time. But we don't talk about what they actually mean. You know, words that are hard to understand. But you hear it all the time. You may think, you know, oh, my pastor says this word so much. What the heck does he mean by that? Sometimes I think that. And so we're like, well, let's talk about it. Because sometimes we use these words. Because if we, we talk about like the word sanctification, you know, someone may not know what that means. Well, heck, we're not doing our job. We're not telling you what that means. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to go into that. And so why, why is this so important to talk about churchy words? Yeah. Um, it's just because there's some people that may be either young in their faith or not even part of the church that if they're listening to this podcast or listen to a certain pastor, even going just going to church, they're like, what are they talking about? Like you said, sanctification or even prayer or worship or any of these terms we use that are common terms within the church body, but that those who aren't with the church don't know and don't really know what the context is. And we wanted to go ahead and get this one done pretty early within our podcast. So like each new episode, we're going to use some of these words and we want y'all to know like, all right, that's what they're talking about. Not just, we say sanctification. You're like, well, it just happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we just wanted to clarify some of the terms we use. So, Without further ado, let's get, we're get started. All right. So yeah. Daniel's got our first one. What are we talking about first? All right. Our first word, well, I mentioned it just a minute ago, and so did Luke. We're going to look at the word sanctification. And this word, uh, what we have written down about it, uh, we made our own definitions. Not like we're <laughs> Daniel Webster or anything, but we're, uh, yeah. Um, but we just, we just want to use like context in Scripture. We have Scripture with just about every saying that we have here. Uh, with sanctification, uh, it's to make holy, to set apart uh, as sacred. And so sanctification, well, we're seeing it as a process of growing more holy, of becoming more sacred, becoming Christ-like, basically. And with this, we're referencing 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.23, and it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved, complete, without blame and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we talk about this, we want to think, you know, that as we grow, as this life grows closer to its end, you know, this process of sanctification is making us more holy and more like Christ so that the day when we start the life of eternity with Jesus Christ, with God the Father, that we are more like him, that we are holy. And that is what this whole idea of sanctification is, is becoming more like Christ and we're becoming set apart because in the end, you know, we are, we are holy vessels when we're, when we're washed in that, that's another churchy term, washed in the blood, uh, whenever that we're saved and that, uh, that, that, you know, the blood of Christ that covers our sin, that washes it away, we are holy. 
Um, and we're going to dive into that. I'm going to, I'm going to dive into that in a little bit, but, uh, Luke's got the next word. Next word is grace. And the definition we, we wrote down was the free unmerited love in favor of God. I've also heard it turned. We use this term at camp last summer, like an acronym, G R A C E God's riches at Christ's expense. Um, the verse to go along with that is Romans eleven six. And that says now if by grace, then it is not by works. Otherwise grace ceases to be grace. And the main point of that verse is grace is from God alone. It's nothing we can do for ourselves because if it was, why would God be there? Um, mm-hmm. So God gives us that grace and it's at Christ's expense. Nothing we ever deserved. So Daniel, what's next? Our next one, we got mercy. And this one we got written down, compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender. And excuse me, uh, we're looking at this one in James 2. Verse 13, for judgment will be merciless to one who is shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so with mercy, you know, we're talking about God showing compassion to us because you know, we have to an offender. We are offenders of God. We have offended him with sin, which is disobedience to him. We're going to talk about that as well. Um, and that, you know, that this, this mercy is God, you know, uh, showing compassion, even though we have sinned in his, in his face, basically, even though we have sinned to him. Um, and I just want to say one quick thing about this verse. Uh, you know, we hear mercy triumphs over judgment. Don't think that God's mercy is more powerful than his judgment, uh, because it is not. I cracked my voice cause that's important. <laughs> uh, you know, God, God's mercy, uh, did not just stop his judgment. It directed his judgment onto Jesus Christ. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, it, it, it directed his judgment onto the sacrifice. You know, it is not more powerful than his judgment because his judgment is going to be poured out somewhere. His wrath is going somewhere. And so when, uh, when, whenever it's written here that mercy triumphs over judgment, it's not saying it's more powerful, but no, rather because God is merciful, the judgment does not fall on us. It falls on Jesus. So that was another long one, but I'll hand this one back to Luke now. Now, this next term is one I'm really passionate about. Because, oh, yeah. You know why, Daniel? Oh, I know exactly I'm why. I'm one of the two evangelism team coordinators at RBSU. If you can't guess that, the next term is evangelism. <laughs> so what's evangelism? It's simply just sharing the gospel wherever you are and with, who, with whoever you're with. That may not with whoever you're with. But it's sharing the gospel where you are and who you're with. Um, and two, two passages I have with that is one of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18-20. Um, let me read that real quick. It says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the second one is Acts 1-8. It's you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Acts 1 is a perfect picture of that one because it brings out four different locations. Jerusalem is where they were at that time. And then Judea is like their state and then Samaria is the country and to the ends of the earth. So God's saying, do it where you are in Jerusalem, but also go out to, to Judea, go out to Samaria and go out to the ends of the earth because there's no limit to where you can share the gospel. Um, but I just love evangelism, and Lord willing, we can get that started back on campus as soon as possible because I'm missing going, just going to talk to people about the gospel. But that's enough for that one. 
Uh, our next one, we have a covenant. And this we have written down a conditional agreement between two parties in a Christian sense, God and his people. Um, you know, God made a covenant with Abraham uh, that he was going to bless uh, his, his people. And what we have written down here is uh, Psalm 105, verses 8 through 11. That says, he has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as a portion of your inheritance. In a sense, um, you know, it is an agreement. And on God's side, first of all, it is a promise. When God makes a covenant, he is guaranteeing something. And with the covenant with Jesus Christ, first of all, that, that is the promise of being saved and being brought back to God the Father. And <clears throat> so with that, you know, we've written down in a Christian sense, God and his people, we are the people of God. God has made his covenant that that we are we are saved from our sin and that we are brought back with him and that there is the promise of eternal life because his mercy has redirected his judgment towards Jesus. So I'm already using words together, you know, we're going to do this as I go. So Luke's got the next one. Yeah, next one is apologetics. And this one's a very, I guess, common term within the Christian faith because it's pretty much just defending your faith with evidence from God's word. And one of the famous, most famous apologists, is that the right word? Apologist. Apologists. I think so. Something like that. We didn't, we didn't of, think of that before we did this. One right. of the most famous persons who like, was for apologetics was Robbie Zacharias, and we passed away a few months ago. But that man was on fire for the Lord more than anybody else I've seen. He was always ready to defend his faith. When I heard him at Passion last year, that sermon, it was good. Mm -hmm. It was so good. Um, but two verses we have for that is 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. And that says... But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. And then 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, In every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And really that, what's that saying is every thought we have should be aligned with God's word and everything we say about God should be backed up by God's word and do it with grace and do it with love and do it humbly. Um, simple as that. So now we got a uh, kind of two words here together. Um, but like we have a different definition for each of them, but they're, uh, they do in a way go together and they were suggested together. Um, revelation and call. And we have quotes on call. You know, obviously it's not like a phone call or anything like that. <laughs> um, but with Revelation, we have the revealing of something from God. And, you know, the first place I think of when I hear the word Revelation is the book of Revelation. Uh, when, when God <laughs> revealed a vision to, uh, to, to John and he wrote it down. And uh, for the word call, you know, we have a spe uh, specific commission from God. And with this one... Uh, we wrote down like the call to Jeremiah and in Jeremiah one five, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and before you were born, I consecrated you. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. And he's straight up telling Jeremiah right here, like, Hey, you know, I made you and I made you 
holy, you know, consecrated. That means holy and, and you know, uh, set apart and sanctified, using that word again. And he's saying, I have made you a prophet to the nations. Now, he doesn't say, like, I'm calling you, but he's commissioning him to this. He is telling them, hey, I am, I'm going to make you a prophet here, and I'm telling you to do it right now. That, that's the call to him. I'm telling you, you're going to do this. And that, that's the call right there. Uh, Isaiah also had a call. Uh, I'm not going to read that one to you. Uh, it's a, he doesn't specifically say, you know, Isaiah is the one who hears God saying uh, who will go. And Isaiah says, I'll go, you know, send me. And so that, that's what we think of when we hear call. And so it's a, it's a specific commission from God to go do something. We all have the great commission. When we have a specific commission from God, you know, that's telling us exactly how to fulfill the great commission. Um, the next one is propitiation, and that's basically the payment for our sins with Christ's blood. And we got three different verses for this one. First um, John two two says, "He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world." And then First John four ten says, "Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins." And Last one, Romans 3.25. God presented himself as an atoning sacrifice in his blood received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in its restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. One thing I find interesting in my Bible, it doesn't doesn't use the actual term propitiation. It uses atoning sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I find that really interesting that propitiation is, like I said, the payment for our sins, but it's also a sacrifice to God because the way the old covenant was, throwing back the covenant, Mm -hmm. um, they had to make sacrifices for the sins they committed. And since the new covenant came in, Jesus was that sacrifice for us to pay for our sins, just like those sacrifices of the old covenant paid for those sins. And so it's just kind of cool how in that aspect, you get to see the old and old and the new Testament kind of connected in mm-hmm. that way. But that's what propitiation means. Yeah. Uh, and our last one before we go to a quick break is uh, reconciliation. And we have written down here, restored relationship with God. And looking at it uh, from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so when we are reconciled, we are brought back to God. Our relationship with God is restored because we are born dead. Uh, we're, we're not just, you know, we're, we're not just, you know, we're, we're born. Yeah, we're born and we're alive, but our spirit is dead. And our relationship with God is severed and there is no relationship to have there. But when that relationship is restored through Jesus Christ, that is how we are reconciled. And that that's uh, the importance of that word that when we are given this ministry of reconciliation to go share. And as Paul keeps going on here, he's talking about like we're sharing this message of reconciliation with the whole world so that all may be reconciled to God. So we're being brought back and restored back to him. And that relationship is once again alive and thriving. So So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Uh, Hello? Hello? Daniel, they're they're on break. Oh, wait. Just like us. Yeah, we are. Yo, hey, welcome to the break. Um, Just take a seat. Take a seat. Like, you know, relax. Take a sip of Arnold Palmer, like we're doing right now. Yeah. Not Not a sponsor. But hey, Arnold Palmer, if you're listening, 
We wouldn't mind a sponsorship. Your drink is amazing. It's, it's fantastic. So, all right, hey, uh, break's running out. You wanna let's send them back. Yes. Yeah. All right, back. hey. Okay, we're back. We're refreshed. It was a nice Man. little break there. Hope you good. enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully, you got yourself a glass of Arnold Palmer or something similar. Yeah, but Arnold Palmer's the best. Or just water. I mean, water's healthy. That's true. But let's go back into this. Uh, Luke, you have our next word. I do. Um, and looking at our list, we just kind of threw this together a little randomly, but it's kind of cool. We we did we did propitiation mm-hmm. and reconciliation right before the break. And now we're going into salvation. So it's kind of like a step-by-step process. Like Jesus is our, is our propitiation and to reconcile us back to God to give us salvation. Um, but what's salvation? Salvation is a gift from God because of our faith in him so that we can spend eternity with him. And the main verse for that, or the two verses for that one are Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. And it says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no man can boast. And one thing I want to hit on here is salvation is a gift. It's not something we earned. It's not something we worked for. It was a gift given by God, and all we have to do is reach out and take it. Um, and it's a beautiful picture of love and, and compassion and grace and mercy that God God poured out on us. Um, but salvation, just remember, it's a gift from God to, that grants us like, like passage into heaven, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what's next, Daniel? Next, we got prayer. Uh, this is direct communication with God. And I mean direct. It's direct. We are talking to God, and it is two-way communication. Don't think we're just talking to God, and he ain't listening. Because he listens. He listens. And <clears throat> we have a couple verses with that. Uh, first one, we're looking at uh, Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And Jesus even said uh, in Matthew 21 and in uh, verse 22, in all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And when we talk to God, he listens to us. James even says uh, that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. And I want you to focus on that right there. The prayer of a righteous person. And so obviously we as people, we are dead uh, before we are reconciled to God, we're not righteous. And in the end, you know, in our flesh, the, the flesh is not righteous. But so obviously when you first think of that, it's like, oh, shoot, none of us have powerful prayers. But hold on. We are made righteous when we are reconciled to God. And the process of sanctification is making us holy. That is making us like God, like Christ. And so when he says that the prayer of a righteous person has great power, the prayer of someone who is being sanctified and is saved, you know, we just had salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who is saved, they are righteous, and therefore their sin is not seen in God's eyes. He does not punish us for that sin. He sees us as holy and righteous. And so that is what gives prayer such great power because we are made righteous, not on our own accord, you know, just like was in Ephesians uh, 2. You know, not not that it's anything we have done, but it's what Christ has done. And therefore, that is what gives prayer such great power. What do you got next, Luke? The next one is one I'm so passionate about. It's, it's community. Um, community is essentially a body of believers coming together to build one another up. Um, and it can look like two people coming together, like accountability partners, or it can look like 
three, four, five, six, seven, up to ten. Ten is probably a good number for community. Once you get past ten, it's like a big, bigger group, and you can't get personal with a lot of people. But community is just essentially a body of believers coming together to build each other up. And we've got three different passages for that one. Galatians six two says, "Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you you fulfill the law of Christ." And then Ecclesiastes four nine through twelve says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts." For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, two lie down together, they can keep warm. And how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strains is not easily broken. And the last one, Matthew 18, 20. Um, that one says, uh, for, there were two, or for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there among them. And community is something I love because one, I'm a quality time guy. I love my quality time. I love being with my friends, being with my people, being with my people. I don't know what just happened with my voice. <laughs> um, but quality time mixed in with Jesus is community, and that is the best time you could ever have with somebody. Um, me and Daniel have been spending a lot of community time this semester. Yes, sir. Especially with COVID. I mean, we can't be at the BSU doing big, big community stuff, but we can still be close and grow together. Um, and I meet with my gnarly club bros once a week. That's where we have our community there. Um, community is just something like you can rely on with, when you struggle with anything, um, whether it's a sin, a sin struggle or a relationship issue or just something going on at home or even school. Um, you know, it's, you've got people all around you that you can rely on. Um, and community is something we're going to talk about a lot on this podcast because, uh, it's important to help you grow in your walk. Yeah. So what you got next? Uh, now we got born again and lost. And with this, uh, we're being born in the spirit rather than being uh, sinful and dead in the flesh. And so with this one, it's in uh, John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he's responding to Nicodemus when he says, you must be born again uh, to enter the kingdom of God. And so, uh, you know, Nicodemus is like, hold up, what? I got to go back into the womb? I'm a grown man. Can't do that. Well, not you don't have to go back into the womb. That is that is just, no, just no, 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 no. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it don't work like that. Uh, and so, but when we are born of the spirit, you know, we referenced this earlier that we are dead spiritually. Our spirit is dead. There, there, there is nothing else to say about it. We are dead in sin. And so when think about that, we must be alive and we are reconciled. We are saved. We are brought back to life. We are brought to life. Uh, and that's when we're here born again. Our spirit is born. What do you got next, Luke? The next one is a very like catchphrase, kind of common phrase we use within, especially in our generation. But like we walk the aisle, the phrase walk the aisle. What does that mean? And it's essentially just a way of looking at our testimony, how we came to Christ. We share like, oh, we walked the aisle. We walked up to the pastor during the invitation and worship, and we told him, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So you walked, you literally walked down the aisle towards the altar and talked to the pastor about mm -hmm. the decision you made. Um, very simple, but a lot of people are like, man, what, is that, what does walk the aisle mean? What, what is that? Um, but that's really just, you are walking down the aisle. But if you're telling the pastor what you did, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So. Next, we got sin. Uh, we've referenced this word a lot, so let, let's dive into it. It's failing to do what is obedient to God. It is anything off target of what God has said. 
And so uh, with this, we have James chapter four, verse 17. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. Uh, we, we, we sin a lot. We do what is wrong a lot. And even, you know, not just doing wrong in the, in, to God, but doing wrong to others. When we do wrong to others, we are doing wrong to God because we're doing wrong to the image of God. All people are made in the image of God that is written in, 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 uh, in Genesis. And that therefore doing wrong to people is essentially doing wrong to God's creation, which is doing wrong to God. And so anything that is disobedient, you know, the 10 commandments, whenever we break the law, that is sin. Anything that, that is off target of what God has said, that is sin. Uh, when, we, when, we don't what he, when we don't do what he tells us to do, that is sin. And we don't want to be living in sin, especially when we know what the right thing to do is. Um, the next one, I mentioned it with um, Walk the Isle, but it's called your testimony. And your testimony is the story of how Jesus came and saved your life. Um, and you, the main points, like whenever I'm like leading someone through the testimony, how to talk about it or say like evangelism training, we talk about how to share your testimony. How do you do that? And it's pretty much saying, here's where I was before Christ. I was in sin. I was doing things I wasn't supposed to. And then Jesus came in and he, he changed my heart and he, he transformed my life. And then what the third part is, wh where am I now? What am I doing after Jesus transformed my life? And so your testimony is just pretty much your life story, your spiritual life story of how you walked from death to life through Jesus. So simple as that. And testimonies can range from 30 seconds to an hour depending yeah. on how, how real you want to get with the person you're with. But yeah, that's what testimony is. Uh, next, we got repent and or repentance. And to repent is to completely turn back from your sin and to God. He's doing a full 180, not just, you know, half turning, but full 180 away from sin. So when you're facing sin, you are not facing God. And so with this, we have Acts 3, verse 19. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And so when we repent from our sin and turn to God. That is where we are saved. Uh, and, you know, if we're still living in sin, we're still facing towards sin and living in that, how are we saved? You know, we, we, we're not. We must repent of sin because God is without sin. He's always been without sin and he will not be with sin. And that is the importance of having to repent and to turn away from sin and turning. It's not just turning away from sin, but it's turning towards God. And we're running towards God. And that's where we go to sanctification using, you know, Good old words yeah. that we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, and then another one, we've all we've all heard this one, we've all said it. Um, it's faith. And a lot of times I think we throw this word around and we say it and we think we know what it means, but we know the like the surface level definition. Mm -hmm. But we don't really know what faith is and what it looks like. And I'm gonna go with the surface level like word definition. It says believing and trusting God and his work, which you cannot see. And on one of the like journals I had one time, it said faith is not believing that God can is knowing that he will. Um, and I've always thought of it, thought of it this way, like believing in God, you know, like, well, the world says you have to, I have to see it to believe it. But with, with God, it's the other way around. You have to believe it to see it. And that's mm -hmm. what faith essentially is. Um, but two verses we have for it are Hebrews 11, one. And that says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for the proof of what is not seen. And then Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. And simple as that, faith comes through hearing the word and believing in what you can't see, and that's God's handiwork. Um, mm -hmm. 
and it, faith is hard to live out. I'm trying to live it out right now and figuring out my future. It's hard. Um, but we're taking it day, day by day and, you know, following the Lord and trusting that he's going to provide a way. And I just got to go step by step. But Yes, sir. Next one, we got quiet time. We've all heard this one. And this is uh, spending time reading God's word and praying to him. You know, uh, maybe pastor growing up, he hated the word quiet time. So he instead is like, let's replace it with quality time, which I love that. Um, not telling you you have to change it, uh, but it gave a different perspective with it that when we spend quality time with God, you know, we're not just quiet because we're talking to God. We're wanting to talk to him. We're wanting to read his word to hear from him as well. And with this, we have Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So he mentions here, you will meditate on this word. You know, if you're meditating on it, you're going to be quiet, uh, first of all. You know, you're not you're not going to be on Twitter or Snapchat or nothing like that. And when you're when you're in your quiet time or quality time with God, you know there, there's a reason why it's called both quiet time and quality time. You know, you're quiet and you're also spending quality time with with God. You know, not not just not just spending quality time with a person, but with God Himself. It's the best quality time you can get. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Um, the next one is worship, and of course, we all know what worship is. We have worship every Sunday morning in church. That's what it's called. Um, but a lot of times, we just associate worship with songs and with praise and all that kind of stuff. But worship is more than that. Um, the true definition of worship is giving God glory for all He's done in our lives through song and through our daily spiritual disciplines. And we're going to get to spiritual disciplines in a second. Mm-hmm. But worship is just essentially giving God the glory He deserves because of all He's done. He's done a lot. He has done a lot in this world. Um, but three verses we have for it is Psalm 29 2, which says, Ascribe to the Lord his, the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Um, second one, Luke 4 8. And that says, And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then Hebrews 12 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. And worship, man, it's a, it's a beautiful thing if your mind's in the right place. I mean, you can mindlessly worship. I mean, it's probably great. But when you're truly focused on giving God glory for who he is and what he's done and how he's He's working in this world, man, it, it, it's life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and God deserves that worship 24-7, um, whether it's through, like I said, your spiritual disciplines, which Dan is going to mention here in a second, um, through song, through prayer, through all that kind of stuff. Um, but just worship is giving God the glory he deserves. And the last one, Daniel's got it. We got our last word here, spiritual disciplines. This is the process of sanctification. Remember that word? That was the first one we used. Uh, Through spiritual practices such as prayer, fasting, worship, and quiet time. We're going to take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Oh, I lost it. Whoops, there it is. Uh, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And when we are being sanctified through spiritual disciplines, through practicing with prayer, with fasting, with worshiping God, with meditating on his word, we are being made more sanctified and more holy. And it holds, it holds value not just for our life here, but as he says, for the life to come. You know, eternity. That that's 
I think I've said this a few episodes ago, but you know, your best life is not now at Joel yeah. Osteen. Your best life is to come. And we're we're investing, you know, we're investing everything we have into the life that is to come. We're not investing everything here. So yeah, that's all we got. Um yeah, that's a lot of a lot of churchy words we went over. Um but the reason again we wanted to do this was just so y'all understand when we use these terms, what we're talking about. And y'all can see like or here in this in this podcast episode, we use many of the terms several times over and over and over. So yeah. they're going to be used again and again. Um, but just keep these in mind and make sure you know what they are because there's willing to bet there's going to be someone walking up to you asking like what that is, and you can be like, boom, here's the definition. Whoa, 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 what was that? So Daniel, we started something new this week. Whenever that sound happens, that's when you talk about your people group of the week. And so you had the sound happen, and now it's time for your people group of the week. Oh, cool. <laughs> nice. All right, let's 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 go into it then. Nice. I, I'll remember that for next episode. All right. So this week we are praying for the Brahmin people in Nepal. Uh, it's a people group of about 3.2 million people, none of whom know Christ. Uh, we've talked about a couple people groups in which – uh, they're they're brought in by their culture to to stay with their their religion. In this case, it's Hinduism. And if they leave it, they'll be cut off. They might be killed. Uh, something that, that they'll do terrible things to people who who reject their religion in favor of anyone else. And in this case, Christ. And so we want to pray for them. Pray that 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 God's truth will be spoken to them by by missionaries from from wherever. Uh, who are dedicated and willing to share this gospel and dedicated to the ministry of reconciliation, another word that we we're talking about. And the, these people, when they hear it, when the Brahmin hear it, that they will not just, you know, uh, it won't just fall on a deaf ear, but instead they will hear the gospel and they will believe and they will be saved. And that's what we're praying for here. So on that note, let's talk to the Lord about the Brahmin. All right. uh, great God, we... Uh, we praise you for the for the cross that has uh, brought salvation, not just to, to to five people, not just to ten people, not just to ten thousand people, but to everybody in the world. And specifically, right now, I want to lift up the the Brahmin people at this very moment, which no one has been saved, no one knows you, and at this present moment, everybody is is destined to be separated from you forever. Oh God, may that not be so. May you please send missionaries to to uh, carry this this perfect gospel. May you send people who are who have been called and commissioned by by you and only you. And that when they speak, as you said to your prophet Jeremiah, that you have put your words in his mouth. May you also put your words in their mouth, and that they speak as an ambassador for Christ. God, please save the Brahmin. Please pierce their hearts with the truth. And in the end, may we all glorify you. May we all uh, be together as it is written in Revelation. All people who are around the throne praising your name forever and ever and ever. God, we are ready for that. First, we, we ask that you will save the Brahmin people at all 3.2 million. Lord, please speak to them. Please speak to them. In your name I pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, before we go, we've got some more shout-outs to do this week. So, yes, if you saw on our Instagram, we did another little questionnaire survey. I don't know what to call it, but we put a question on there and yeah. for y'all to answer. But shout-out to the four people who answered. Aaron Francis, what a dude. Love that man. What a dude. Carver O'Neill, shout-out to my boy at North Greenwood Baptist Church. Love the dude. Cameron O'Daniel, what a guy. What a man. Solid guy. Love him. He's got a podcast, too. Called Six Minute Sermons. Go check it out. Wait for a shout out back, Cameron. Um, <laughs> and then our boy Riley Shrove. What a man. What a man. Love that man. But those four helped out this week. We thank y'all for giving us some terms to start off with <clears> and um, really talk about as our churchy words. But each week we're going to try to do that just to get an idea of what y'all think about the topic we're going to talk about. And we'll try to do it earlier so y'all have enough time to see it and answer it before we record. Because um, we do record on Wednesdays. We're getting better at this as we go. Yeah, it's, I'm a noob. I'm a noob <laughs> at this stuff, so we're learning. But I'm going to throw it back to Daniel to do our theme verse, and then we'll see y'all later. You know how we close this out. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, but you might know the love which I have especially for you. Boom. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bible Belt Bros. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bible Belt Bros Pod. Ask us questions and tell us how we can be praying for you. Until next time, be blessed in the Lord.